open up to Psalm 119, and we're going to finish that tonight and um, be a blessed time. You guys know that uh, I le- read a lot of Warren Wearsby. You know that. And he has a wonderful book called Prayer, Praise, and Promises. And he has a section in there called Psalm 119, the Bible ABCs. And I'm going to read to you from that. And I don't actually have the quote there, but listen to this. The Bible has one author, God. It has one theme, Jesus Christ. It has one message, the salvation of your soul. And it has one blessing to bring, a life of integrity. I'm going to read that again. Listen to this. Turn to the Word of God. The Bible has one author. It's God. It has one theme, Jesus Christ. And it has one message, the salvation of your soul. And it has one blessing to bring. Catch this. One blessing to bring. A life of integrity. The Word of God is a powerful spiritual resource. Its truth feeds your soul. How many people here have ever felt like their soul is run dry or it's brittle or it's leathery or worn out? It's truth feeds your soul. As you walk in the life of faith, the Holy Spirit uses the Bible to minister to you. If you're ministering to a lot of people, how do you get ministered to? Well, no, not by Tim, by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses the Bible to minister to you. What did you read this morning that blessed you, that ministered to you? What do you, did you read this afternoon that blessed you, that ministered to you? And what will you read tonight that will bless you and minister to you? Warren Wearsby says, get into the word and allow it to make you whole and build integrity into your life. Isn't that incredible? What a way uh, of, of saying it. He has such a, a good way of saying it. And remember, um, we have uh, 22 letters in the Hebrew Bible. And so there's 22 stanzas in Psalm 119 because each letter has 22 times 8, 8 verses. And something I haven't told you that uh, Mr. Wearsby also writes in his book that I think is really tremendous, and I haven't mentioned this to you, so every stanza has eight verses times 22, 176 verses. Listen to this. The word eight in the Hebrew literally means abundance or more than enough. It's the number of new beginnings. It's as though the writer is saying God's word is enough And not just enough, it's more than enough, it's abundant. If you have the scriptures, that's all you need for life and godliness. Indeed, the Bible points us to Christ. He's the living word about whom the written word speaks. Isn't that fascinating? And so that's what we're studying. We're looking into Psalm 119. Almost every verse has one of the eight different words that are used for the word of God. There's just a couple verses that don't mention the word in some fashion. And so remember, Psalm 118 is the middle of the Bible and it talks, the middle verse says, trust in the Lord. And then right after that, you have Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter here. And it's all 
the benefits and the blessings and the reasons and the purposes for why we should read and study and find Christ in the Bible. Someone even asked us, or not asked us, we were talking about this week, how do you hide yourself in Christ? Well, this is it. (laughs) There's no shortcut. It's not, you know, feeling some emotional experience and dancing around, although I like to feel emotional experiences, and I don't mind dancing around when the Lord (laughs) blesses you, of course, but how do you get healthy and whole in the Word of God? It's through knowing God's word and responding to his love and everything else that's found in his word. And there's no shortcut. Everybody wants a shortcut. Seven keys to happiness, four keys to a blessed life, blah, 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 blah. And the Bible says, if you want to revive yourself, revive yourself in God's word, that's how it happens. And so we're almost done. In fact, we're so almost done, I don't even remember where I left off, and Gabe's not here, so we'll just start back at verse 1. No, I'm kidding. But I do want to remind us in one thirteen that the psalmist says in that stanza that the psalmist goes, I hate the double-minded. And man, that is so true in my life, and uh, maybe in your life too that we are to be single-minded people. Here he's dealing with enemies, and he's saying, I hate the double-minded. What happens is you can stray from God. Do you catch this? When you become double-minded, the psalmist is saying, my enemies are double-minded now, which sounds to me like at one time they may or may not have been, but maybe they were single-minded, and now they've become not a brother or a sister, but an enemy. Hmm. And so one thing uh, uh, Paul does is he forgets everything that was behind. Remember that? And he moves forward to the, the call and the upward uh, call and prize of Jesus Christ, he tells us. Being single-minded and devoted in moving towards the Lord. That's loving his law. When you are single-minded, you love his law. Oh, I'm really keeping you up over there, huh? <laughs> that, was a lo- that was a loud yawn. <laughs> That's funny stuff, man. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's how I feel too, so don't worry. But anyway, uh, over in 121 then, he's talking about enemies, folks. How do you combat enemies? How do you deal with enemies? How do you work with enemies? What happens when you find enemies in your life? Do you shrink back? Do you leave? Do you stop working? Do you not go outside? What do you do? Well, strike back at the enemies. No, that's not what it says. He keeps going. My eyes fall, verse 123, or fail, excuse me, from seeking your salvation. I need saving and your righteous word. He looks in the word when there's enemies. Give me understanding when there's enemies. It's time for you to act, a desperate plea when there's enemies. Uh, For why? Why do I need, or why are they acting as enemies? Because they've regarded your law as void. They don't believe your word. They're disregarding your word, but I want to love your commandments, verse 127, more than anything, more than even gold. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. And what a thing. We sang it tonight. So who's paying attention? Jason Franks is paying attention. 
Lord, help me be, to hate what you hate and to love what you love and things that are false. You can't serve two masters. There it is again, Matthew 6, verse 24. You can't serve two, two masters. Either you love one and hate the other, you know it. And there it is again, it's single-mindedness, a devotion, a pursuit of God as he has pursued us. And so you keep going into verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. Think about that. What a word to use. The word of God is wonderful. Is that how you would describe it? The word of God is wonderful. Wow, wonderful. Remember, the things you love are the things you love to look at or study or be involved in. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. I want you to see something here. You know, the, 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 um, the, the, a human, we, we're made up of body, soul, spirit. And in your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. You get it? And here you're seeing that the word of God touches all these things, especially in your soul. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. Here is the will. My soul keeps them. It's the will. The will is impacted and affected by the word of God. Isn't that interesting? The way in which we respond in love or out of love. Where do we find how he loves us? Who loves us? We find it in the word of God. We find the, the staggering message of the gospel. And God takes that in the, word of, or in the child of God's life and uh, helps him or her to grow deeper and deeper in love with their Savior so that they start to obey not out of obligation, but out of a love, out of a response of love. My soul keeps them because your testimonies are wonderful. Because you're wonderful, and I know it because I read your word. And the entrance of your word gives light when it comes in, when I encounter your word. When it comes in, when I, when I see it, when I begin to see it, the warmth comes, and the light comes, and the understanding comes, and the, uh, the thing that formerly looked like I had no idea what was going on or I couldn't, couldn't get out of it. Now, you're showing me the way right from your word. And even if you take me step or take me in a manner of just step by step, I can't see all the way in front, but I can see just a little to make the next step. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. And it gives light. And then it takes me, a simple person, you, just simple people. And we have understanding that's more uh, knowledgeable and wise than the greatest thinkers on the earth, because the gospel is the most powerful message. And we've been blessed and privileged to, by the Holy Spirit, to begin to understand it. And we can go places. We can go right into the chambers of the judges and the president and the, the council members and the dignitaries of the world. And we can preach the gospel and talk about the love of Christ. And it's wise and it's good. We, we don't have to feel ashamed or back down in any way because we have the most glorious message that there's ever been given. So we get understanding and we opened or I opened my mouth and panted for I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me. You ever thought about this? How? You ever heard the phrase, uh, you know, I, I need to feel, be seen and I need to be, uh, feel heard. You ever heard that saying? somebody to understand you or to think about you or to pay attention to you. And here it is. I didn't catch it. The Lord sees you 
And you have a need, and I have a need to be seen and understood and heard from. And my opinion or whatever, my thoughts, my hurts, my joys, my victories. And he looks upon me. I love that verse, verse 132. He looks upon you, and he's merciful to you and me, as your custom is towards those who love your name. The character of God, that's what name means. So direct my steps. How? How do your steps get directed? You ever felt uh, uh, totally, you know, off track, didn't know where to go? Well, get back into the word because your steps can be directed by the word. As we pray for guidance, as we pray for answers, the Lord answers through his word. It's not just going to come out of the air somewhere. It could, I mean, he could speak to you, but what generally the Lord does is he speaks to you right here through his word. You get it? As we search it and he reveals it to you. And then it says, let no iniquity have dominion over me. And that reminds us of that great chapter in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, there's this great section that says this. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead. Count yourself as dead, the old nature, indeed to sin. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust, or it in its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Think about that. If every morning you and I reckoned ourselves dead to sin, but reporting for duty for life, and all the things that come with that, life-giving statements, life-giving etc., etc. You get it. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. God, I know you want to do right things for people here on the earth. Here I am presenting myself to you. You could work through me, Lord, if you so choose here today. For sin shall not have dominion over you. And then this amazing summary statement. For you're not under law, but under grace. That's better than the Super Bowl win, or whatever you love, right there. You are not under law, but under grace. Wow. Praise the Lord. He takes away the penalty of sin, but watch, he breaks the power over sin. And that's a big deal. So you go back, and he's even talking about that back uh, in the Old Testament here, the psalmist. And then it says, redeem me, verse 134, from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant. That's it. It's always the presence of the Lord, being seen by the Lord, being heard by the Lord, and teach me your statutes. Now look at this. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Now the way in which you think about that verse, I think says a lot about your spiritual life or my spiritual life. Am I crying because these dirty, rotten sinners are sinning? I don't think so. I think you're crying here, and what the psalmist is praying for is a burden for people who are sinners, that they would come to know the Lord in a saving way. And so even the enemies who are enemies to you or to me, we have a compassion for because we know that they're lost sinners. 
not in a superior way, but in a way that we pray for their salvation. Isn't that great? And then he says, righteous are you, Lord. Now, I'd love to go through a little bit. I don't have time for all of it, but what is righteousness? When you say the righteousness of God, what, what do you mean you're righteous? When you say God, now listen to this. When you say God is a just judge, you always, or you mean that he always does that which is right. You get that? And that's rare, folks. So you can count on God. When you hear uh, that God only works for your good, for instance. Now, what you think is good and what he think is good, it might be two different things. And that's the same way with any judge. Sometimes you're at the judge's chambers and you're like, judge, I'd like, you know, I know I committed this first degree felony, but I, I really would like to just do community service, your, your honor. Well, yeah, that's what you want. But what's best? And so here, righteous are you, Lord. That's packed full of meaning. He acts according to his character. Listen, he doesn't act righteous. He is righteous. Everything he is is right so that all his activities or actions come out as righteous. You get it? That's why you can trust him so much. You're not trusting a being who's not righteous to do righteousness. You're trusting righteousness itself, God, to do righteous things. Now that's powerful. He's always going to act rightly or in the correct way. Righteous are you, Lord, and upright are your judgments. Now, are you ready to submit to him then in that way? Am I ready to submit to him? Lord, whatever it is, Whenever you want to do it in my life, wherever you want to do it, however you want to do it, I'm here. I'll follow you. Your testimonies, verse 138, which you have commanded, are righteous and very faithful. He, tests, he commands or gives commands that are righteous and faithful because he is righteous and faithful. And that's a really important a distinction there. My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Again, I don't think it's because he's pointing the finger and say, you're unrighteous and I'm not, and heck with you. I think what he's saying is that's sad, and I have compassion, and I have a burden. And your word is very pure, therefore your servant love it, loves it. Do you and I, through the word, get to the place where we would rather honor God than anything else. You say yes, but just go to a, I don't know, a Christian, or go to an office party at holiday time, and you be the only one there, and they're telling the dirty jokes right in front of you, or whatever they're doing, or you, you know the different circumstances that can come up, or somebody's acting in an improper manner, and you're there, and you know them, and they're brothers in the Lord. I mean, your word is pure, and you know what the word says, and you love it. And the Bible says that we're to use the word in ways to admonish and encourage and reprove people. Not that we're going around and doing that all the time. But are we willing to say to people, hey, that road you're going down is dangerous, man. And I love you and I don't want you to go down that road. Or do we just laugh when they talk about it? And so speaking God's word, because his word is pure. 
And I'm small and despised, yet I don't forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And there we go again. We see his character. Your righteousness is not just one time. It lasts forever. It's everlasting. And your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me. Have you ever been in anguish? I mean, when you get in anguish, what's it like? Think about what it's like. Your stomach has a knot in it. You can't, your heart won't settle down. You can't stop thinking about the thing. You got a lump in your throat. You're stressed and you can feel it. It's, you have trouble sleeping. You know you've got to face something hard and you got to face something difficult and you're anguished and it's troubling. And here it says, look, while I'm doing that, Keep searching the scriptures when you're anguished because your commandments are my delights. There's where I'm going to find rest and respite and because I'm going to find the Savior there. I'm going to find Jesus there. And you keep going and it says, yet your commandments are my delights. The righteousness, verse 144, of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. Now look, I got a series of quotes here for you. I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, hear me, I'll keep your statutes. I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I'll keep your statutes. This is a, a, a stanza that has an emphasis on prayer. And right here, uh, uh, John Bunyan, do we have that? John Bunyan said something that's so um, profound in my opinion. In prayer, it's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. And here the, the psalmist is into it. I cry out with my whole heart. What I think is motivating the psalmist here as they cry and have, uh, cry out and have an emphasis on prayer in this stanza is that they've been impacted by love and they know they can count on the one that they're praying to, God himself. And so he says, I cry out with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I'll keep your statutes. You see that. And then he says, um, uh, I cry out to you. Save me and I'll keep your testimonies. You see, the obedience is always in reply or in response to what God has done because of a love relationship he has for his people. And so I cry for your help. And then it says this, I rise before the dawning of the morning. And I cry for help. I hope in your word. But watch, my eyes are awake through the night watches. Verse 148. Warren Wearsby writes something great right here, some uh, commenting on 147 and 148. This is talking about praying without ceasing. That's the New Testament thing. Now look, I've never heard anything better on praying without ceasing than this quote. To pray without ceasing does not mean to walk around muttering prayers. To pray without ceasing means to keep the receiver off the hook so that nothing comes between the Father and us. Wow. Now, I want you to think about all the things during your day and my day where we hang up the phone. You convicted on that one? I'm, that one gets me. To pray without ceasing doesn't mean to walk around muttering, muttering prayers. It means to keep the receiver off the hook so that nothing comes between the Father and us. I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. Did you cry for help this morning? What a prayer. I mean, what a prayer. You could just wake up tomorrow morning and go, Lord, 
help. And it would be just such a heartfelt prayer, right? Help, Lord, help. Because I'm going to hope in your word. So what? if you're hoping in your word, what do you do? You search through it and you see it and you got the promises and you stand there on those promises. Lord, I'm going through this tough thing, but your word tells me that you're only working out good things for me through this situation. This, uh, this blip in the road, this tough thing that is happening in my life, it's to produce faith and trust and character in my life and peace. And so I'm going to trust in you and look for you in the middle of the storm because I'm going to stand on your promises. As hard as it is to walk out that door this morning, Lord, I'm crying. I need help when I go. Could you help me? And he does that in the morning. And you see in uh, Romans 11, it says if the first lump is holy, the whole lump will be holy. That's the implication. So that beginning in the word. And so what did you read this morning and how did it help you? But not just in the morning. Do you know it says my eyes are awake through the night watches. That means it's 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. That's what is happening here. This psalmist is saying that I may meditate on your word. That I may meditate on your word. Look what Precept Austin put up here with respect to meditate. Meditation is to the soul what digestion is to the body. To meditate means to, quote, turn over God's word in the mind and the heart. Did you turn over God's word in the mind and the heart today? And it's not something to make you feel bad. What the psalmist and the Bible and the Holy Spirit is telling you here is, if you're going to feed your soul, then meditate. Meditate. It's going to be a blessing to you. It's not going to be an obligation. To meditate means to turn over God's word in the mind and heart, to examine it, to compare scripture with scripture, to feed on its wonderful truths. In this day of noise and confusion, such meditation is rare, but so needful. Meditation is impossible without memorization. Read that again, believe it, then memorize, memorize, memorize. Reading the Bible without meditating on it is like eating without chewing. Isn't that funny? And so true. And so when you go back here and you put it all together, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word and look what will happen. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Do you think you're going to hear the voice of God like a firebolt and it's going to come audibly into your ear? Well, maybe. I mean, it's happened to me a couple times in my spiritual walk. Not that I heard him here, but I heard him here. But it was always according to the word. And here, what I think he's saying is, as you stay in the word, most times, I don't hear it that way. Most times, although you can, you hear it when you're searching the scriptures. And he he applies that healing to your soul. Because you know you're not been, you've not been alone. You know people are going through this, brothers and sisters, and you know God has a plan. So hear my voice according to your loving kindness. O oh Lord, revive me. Revive me. Now I love this. I looked it up for you. Hayah in the Hebrew, although somebody else would probably say it better than me. Hayah in the Hebrew. 
to revive, to live, to have life, to sustain life, or listen to this, or to restore to life, or to restore to health. You ever been off spiritually? Well, what the Bible says is that you're going to be revived according to his loving kindness that you're going to find in the word. So Lord, revive me according to your justice. Where do you see the justice of God? Well, you see it in the word. They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth, 151. That's a fact. The Lord is near, and his commandments are true. That's a fact. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Again, a fact. And now, a personal revival stanza. How did I get revived? Now, consider my affliction and deliver me. That's a prayer. Anybody here feel afflicted right now? Well, this psalmist said, hey, Lord, would you please consider my affliction and deliver me? Get me out of this situation, and I, for I won't or don't forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Bring me back and revive me. Restore to health or give me life according how? To your word. There's where it is. That's where it's found. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they don't seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Oh, can you believe all the things? When you get to heaven and you find out all the things that the Lord withheld from you or me, that he could have dished out, wow. You'll never stop praising. We'll never stop. We'll recognize. See, because we don't see them all the time. We don't see our blind spots. We don't always agree with our shortcomings. But great are your tender mercies, Lord. The things that you held back because of your protection and your love and your kindness and how good you are, revive me according to your judgments. I'm okay, Lord. You have been tender and merciful to me. But I know, Lord, that your judgments are best for me. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they don't keep your word. This is a psalmist who has a heart for the honor of God. He wants to see God's honor go forth in the world. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. That's that word for hased, or that's hased, which is faithful love in action. Now here, the entirety of your word is truth. Listen, through this study, this should be telling you that if you want to be healthy and whole, you should be consistently, I should be consistently meeting the Lord but not just in your favorite book. Man, this morning, I just went to Colossians. That's my favorite little letter back there. I love that little letter and just read that first chapter. And it's just so wonderful. You just could stay there forever. But that's where I'm drawn to. But this is telling you that the entirety of your word is truth and needful. So Leviticus, folks. And so Numbers. And so... You know, Lamentations, wherever you go, Isaiah, all the, all the word, get into it. The entirety of your word is truth. And 
every one of your righteous judgments are true forever. I have another quote here. With so many untruths and lies in the media, I mean, look, who here, before you look up there, who here can almost hardly turn on the news? Is it only me? Is it only me? Because here's what happens for me. You know, I'm there and doing whatever with the Bible or whatever, and just, oh, I got the halo going and the harps are playing, and it's just so wonderful, you know, and then you turn on the news. And it's like 1.1 nanosecond, and you're back in the flesh, and you're angry and you're mad at the untruths and the lies. Look what Daniel Webster, you know Daniel Webster? I think he wrote something called um, the Dictionary. Anyway, he said this, he lived 1782 to 1852. Daniel Webster predicted this when he stated, if truth be not diffused, error will be. If God and his word are not known and, listen, received, don't point fingers at people, listen to what it says, not, not just known, but also received. The devil and his works will gain the ascendancy. If the evangelical volume does not reach every hamlet, that's a way of saying if the Bible doesn't get into every house, the pages of a corrupt and licentious literature will. If the power of the gospel is not felt throughout the length and the breadth of the land, corruption and darkness will reign. Where do we find ourselves, folks? And yet there is this remnant of Holy Spirit-filled believers. We can combat that and not in so, so we keep going in the word and it's not so we can do anything other than seek after and follow hard after our Lord and Savior and stand for righteousness in the way in which he's called us. Isn't that wonderful? Daniel Webster. Consider how I love your precepts Revive me, verse 159, according to your loving kindness. And then 160, I'm going to read it again. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Now, princes persecute me without a cause. But my heart stands in awe of your word. My heart stands in awe of your word. Don't you love that? Not my intellect, although that's good too. From here, it's gotten to here. And it does something for me, and it does something to me, and I'm glad about that. So I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law. You catch that? And nothing causes them to stumble. It's not that you don't have hard things. You do have hard things. But it doesn't cause you to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do keep your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Now, here we go. We finish up. Let my cry, my prayer, my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Let my plea for supply. Help to give me understanding, but according to your word. And I'm going to ask for a supply of understanding and deliver me according to your word. 
oh, Lord, I want out of this situation so bad. And there's ways that I would do it. <laughs> but I'm okay, Lord, if you're going to deliver me according to your word and not my plan. And so I'll stand there. I'll stand on those. And my lips shall utter praise for you Teach me your statutes. Isn't that the ministry of the Holy Spirit? That's what he does. He points people to Jesus and gives us understanding and knowledge. So make sure your Bible reading and seeking of the Lord is bathed in prayer. Don't open up the Bible without praying and don't close it without praying. Keep praying about it. Lord, help me to understand what I just read. Lord, help me to understand what I'm about to read. And Lord, I don't get it yet. Could you help me here? And my tongue is going to speak of your word for all your commandments are righteousness. You want to know part of how to bring up a godly family? Talk about the word at dinner table. Bring it up. Make it interesting because... If we make it boring, oh my, that's a bad place to be. It's not boring because it speaks of our Savior. So talk about it. Your tongue, speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Dads, husbands, single moms. If you're there with the kids, speak of the word. Quiz the kids. Make it fun. Make it interesting. For all your commandments are righteous. Don't you want your kid, your son, your daughter, your friends, your grandkids, whatever it is, don't you want them to choose righteousness? Well, expose them to the word. Let your tongue speak of the word. Let your hand become my help, verse 173, for I have chosen your precepts. In other words, at more and more I study and seek the Lord the more and more he gives me a desire to serve. Let your hand become my help. I'm, you're going to help me by your hand. or Yeah, you're going to help me, but I'm going to help you, not in the way that you need help, but I'm going to serve, for I've chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. And I, I tell you what, I love the last verse. It's so real. It's so raw. It's so wonderful, the psalmist. This, see, these aren't these people who are just so up there that they can't be reached. These are real people like you and I. Because here's what he says. Oh, boy, Lord, you used me. I just penned 175 verses of amazing literature. And I'm about ready to wrap up, and Lord, I, but I know myself. So help me with this one, Lord, because I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I don't forget your commandments. It's almost as if the writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, come and get me when I'm lost. Wow. It's so true, isn't it? It can happen. Lord, come get me when I'm lost. Well, the Bible, the Bible, we, we've gone now for three different weeks. Warren Wearsby says this, 
The Bible is water for cleansing. The Bible is wealth and treasure, a companion and a friend, a song to sing. It's honey and sweet and good. It's a lamp. It's a great spoil. The Bible is a heritage. But what does the Bible do? It blesses. It gives life. It gives strength. It gives liberty. It imparts wisdom. It creates friends. Psalm 119.63. I always say, get a fellowship around the word. What else does it do? It gives comfort and it gives direction. What must we do in response to the Bible? Warren Wearsby says, and he's quoting all these verses out of Psalm 119. We're to love it, prize it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, trust it, obey it, and declare it. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to read you something, one other thing. Heavy on Warren here, isn't it? Heavy on Warren, but he's so good. Warren Wearsby said this, Psalm 119, go back there, 147 and 148, and yet this applies to the whole psalm. He was commenting on this. Imagine being married to a person who gets up early in the morning to cry out to God and hope in his word. Then late at night, he's still awake, reading and meditating on the scriptures. Now, that was written as if a a man was doing it, but as I told you before, one of my most, uh, well, anyway, one of my heroes in the faith is Ruth Graham and how she set up her entire life, whether she was raising kids or disciplining kids or carting kids around or missing her husband. What did she do? She set up her whole life doing the dishes, doing the chores. She set up everything, going on the trips, everything she set around, studying the Word. And if you read her writings, and I suggest you do, I mean, her poems are like home runs, so full of truth and so full of the Bible and so full of wisdom. And uh, she said, everything you need is found right there. And so I just pray as we move on from Psalm 119, I know it sort of gets repetitive because all he does is talk about the word. But I would say to you or to me, and start with me, be honest with yourself. Does your life look like this? Does my life look like this? Well, then maybe we need to get rid of some things and bring it back to the place where we are so in love with the word and praying to him and submitting ourselves to him and moving forward in obedience and service, maybe we get rid of all the busyness that allows us to, or not allows us, but makes us take the phone and put it on the hook. So let's pray. Well, Lord, uh, we come here and uh, we ask, Lord, that you would do a mighty blessing in our lives uh, through the word. And um, we pray that uh, this would just be uh, just a blessing in our heart, Lord, to know and to understand as much as we can the great movements of the Bible and then the 
great intricacies of the Bible, but Lord, may we not just know knowledge or have knowledge for knowledge's sake, but may we have knowledge of you and be healed and touched. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.